Normally, podcasting is an after-school activity for me, but today, I got to take you to class. You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who is also a teacher, and you can tell that because I'm currently in my classroom. I'll explain why in a second. Uh, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And if you are posting on any of those social media sites, uh, please use the hashtag Everyday Sully so I can see who is listening every single day. Um, yeah, I'm in my classroom because last night I couldn't record the show because of just stuff going on and. I did the math in my head, and I realized the only chance I have to have a podcast dropped on today, Tuesday the 28th, was to do it during my free period as a teacher here in the high school that I teach at. So don't have the normal background, don't have the normal microphone, but this is the only time I have to do it. And I said, well, I could skip a day, right? No. And I'd have to stay after school, and you don't want that. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a quick one. We're going to drop it and we're going to have, um, uh, Connor, uh, Thomas from Lockdown Phillies. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have Jeff Snyder from Lockdown Dodgers, a bunch of upcoming shows, but I wanted to sort of go through a couple of things today. Uh, the, the trivia question, by the way, Jeff Cohen, who is a uh, big listener of ours, uh, he asked, uh, he said that he loved my throwback Mariners t-shirt the other day. Thanks so much. Uh, Dan Bourgeois said that Randy Elliott was the first draft selection in Padres history, Sully Rules. That was part of the um, trivia question. You're right, Dan. That wasn't the question I asked, but you're right. He was their first ever draft pick. Um, the question I asked was, who was the first pick in the expansion draft? The players who were left unprotected so that the four expansion teams in 1969, the Padres, the Expos, the um, Kansas City Royals, and yes, the Seattle Pilots were the four expansion teams of that year. The first pick of the expansion draft was, and John Murphy Jr. got it, Ollie Brown of the San Francisco Giants was selected number one by the San Diego Padres. So uh, I'm giving you credit, Dan, because you answered one question correctly. It wasn't the question I asked. Uh, by the way, John Murphy Jr. is also a fan of, of my concept of having an award show, that baseball should have an award show where they're in their tuxes, celebrities come out there, all the other stuff. I'm all for that. Baseball will love it. You get to hand out awards that people care about, the MVP, Cy Young Award, Rookie of the Year, all that stuff. So um, good job there. Uh, good job there, Dan. Good job there. So continuing on here, I'm going to be talking a little bit about there's a lot, you know, some there's been some pitching moves. We're going to be talking about the fact that the St. Louis Cardinals 
are using a strange oh don't worry my, my period isn't over yet but uh yes the perils of recording in a school during a school day um this is my free period i can do what i want um let's see we have I mean, the cardinals are doing a bunch of things we're going to talk a little bit about them and why their strategy kind of makes sense but i think there are a couple other teams who should be doing but hey, I want to get some clicks on here, and it seems that one surefire way to make sure you get a bunch of clicks is you mentioned Shohei Otani, and yes, he is the elephant floating above this postseason, this offseason, I mean to say, because if it's postseason, you know Shohei Otani hasn't appeared in it yet. But Otani is floating out there, and there are rumors about this, and the rumors are about that. And more than one source has said, that he's looking for a short-term deal. And when you take two steps and think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Now, he could sign a long-term deal right now. And again, he will make so much money, his great-grandkids can go to law school without taking out a loan. He'll be able to live a 100 lifetimes with the money that he is about to make as a free agent, whether he goes this route or the other route. It all makes sense. And team can sign him to a long-term deal, and he could look up and say, great, fantastic. Where do I go? Let's go. Let's make this work. Let's get going. There is a series of rumors that maybe Shohei Otani will be looking for a short-term deal, looking for a deal that would be like a two-year deal. And when I first heard that, I kind of scratched my head. And now, now that I think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. What happened at the end of this season that many people thought took away a great chunk of his value? He got hurt. He could still hit, but he could no longer be the double threat. He could no longer be an MVP at the plate and a uh, not a Cy Young winner, but certainly a Cy Young contender on the mound. You're getting two key players. But when he injured his arm, suddenly he was no longer a pitcher. And that element of his game was gone. Now, again, he'll make 300 to $400 million, which as a public school teacher in California, I'll take. But I'm not Shohei Otani, not even a little bit. So what does? why would a short-term deal work? Think about this. He's not going to pitch in 2024, but he's scheduled to pitch in 2024. So... If you sign a short-term deal, again, a short-term deal for like $80 million for two years, something ridiculous, okay? And by, by the way, let me just point, when I say ridiculous, I mean a ridiculous amount of money. Not that it's ridiculous that he gets that money. He's an MVP, all right? Several times, he's the presumed MVP unless someone has an Aaron Judge type season. He is a difference maker, and he's going to bring tons of money to your franchise. So whatever he gets, he's going to deserve. He's going to earn because on the open market, he'll be, he'll be, he'll get this, that, or the other thing, and it'll be something else. But let's say he plays 2024 as a DH only, and he comes back in 2025 showing he could still pitch. Because remember, he had to miss a season a few years ago where he couldn't pitch then either. And he came back to show he could pitch. Well, then he could go out to free agency again. And now sign the big deal he would get 
as a pitcher and a hitter. And look at he'll make enough money on a two-year deal to live comfortably the rest of his life. You know, don't go on big spending sprees. You know, don't go out buying castles. But he'll do all right. He'll do all right no matter what. So the idea of taking advantage, the idea of taking advantage of being the two-way superstar and giving another team a short-term burst to have a winner and to bring in that Otani money and to have his name chiseled onto the Hall of Fame plaque that he will inevitably get, that goes a little bit. And I think there are teams that should consider that, teams that are contenders. Now, of all the teams, I think the Dodgers, the, the three teams I think make the most sense for Otani are the L.A. Dodgers, it gets to stay. He gets to stay in Los Angeles and get that Los Angeles money. I don't think the Yankees are a fit because right now he's just a DH. He won't be able to pitch. The Yankees need pitchers. And they have a DH problem right now with Giancarlo Stanton. I don't think he's a fit for the Mets because I don't think the Mets are going for it this year. And I don't think they should. I'm not 100% sure he's a fit for the Red Sox. I think it would be interesting, but I don't think it's going to happen. Los Angeles. San Francisco, who's dying to make a splash, figuratively and literally in the Bay. And the Chicago Cubs, who are looking to appease a very angry fan base. But the short-term deal does open up situations in Seattle, does open up situations for Baltimore, does open up situations for Atlanta. Now, of course, Atlanta, yeah, he could fit in in the DH spot and maybe pitch later on. But for Baltimore, who has a window of opportunity right now, and may not be willing to have the long-term deal going, but they're at the bottom of the payroll barrel. If they add a big payroll, they're still going to be only in the middle range with a chance to go to the World Series. That's one of the reasons why I encourage them to trade for them. But it would not surprise me if he signed with the Chicago Cubs for a short-term deal, as the Cubs see there's a possibility in the National League Central to make a run for it. And then when he proves he can pitch, boom, off he goes to the L.A. Dodgers. It is a situation I think is going to be interesting. I think the Cubs are where he's going to land. But I also wouldn't stun me if there was a surprise team. If a team comes out of nowhere, like an owner just says, like the, the Mariners owner says, back with this. I want to win right now. Or, you know, the Giants are certainly going to be an impulsive team. I think he's going to sign the two years with the Cubs and then come back to L.A. triumphantly as a Dodger. Which means, if you know me, all my predictions are always 100% off. I mentioned that my predictions tend to be 100% off, which means I'm probably not going to be the best person to make a bet. But if you're going to be making any bets, let me recommend that you head on over to FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And you can score this NFL season right now. If you join FanDuel, you can get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. 
The app is so easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, players, props, over, under, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Hey, uh, LockedOn has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering top sports stories with local experts of Locked On Plus national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, a couple of moves have come about. Uh, Kenta Maeda has signed with the Detroit Tigers. It's not a huge trade, except it's nice to see the Tigers can see that the they're better off signing a major leaguer to pitch in their rotation. Also, who won the division last year? The Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins' big ace last year was Sonny Gray, who just signed with St. Louis. The White Sox are tearing their team apart. Cleveland's probably going to trade away Shane Bieber, and they're probably going to tear the team apart. And the Minnesota Twins just lost their ace. Why should the Tigers go for it? Why should the Tigers make a run? Now, Sonny Gray signed a three-year deal with the St. Louis. Gray's career has been a strange one, up and down. Sometimes he looks like a great ace. Sometimes he looks like he's falling apart. Uh, the Yankees did everything in their power to destroy his career. Uh, then he wound up going to the Reds and recaptures his career and had a great year last year, just in time to be a free agent. Signed a three-year deal, paid 75 million tomatoes. Not bad for someone who the Yankees basically dumped. And the and it's one of the top free agent signings. And look, at he's an insanely likable pitcher. And so I, for one, hope he has success in St. Louis. Cardinals are clearly operating from a point of view that they're better off having major league, you know, pitchers with major league experience on the team. Gray is a solid pitcher. And I think he's a really good acquisition. Um, they've also, you know, they have Miles Michaelis on the team. Um, Michaelis had the pitch, was a workhorse. He pitched 200 innings, a little more than that. He got hit. He got lit up, leading the league in hits, leading the league in earned runs, and didn't have a great ERA as his, you know. But he was, he was an all-star just a couple of years ago. And he's at least a major league pitcher who's going to give them innings. They brought in Kyle Gibson, who was uh, the, you know, the big acquisition from the Phillies, or not from the uh, from Baltimore. He was in the Phillies the year before. Uh, led the league in starts, led the league in innings. Again, didn't pitch great. He led up a ton of hits and everything, but he's an innings eater, I guess. And they also brought in Lance Lynn, who did pitch well for the Dodgers, pitched horribly for the White Sox, and again threw a lot of innings. Let up a lot of runs, let up a lot of hits. I guess they're putting a premium on major league pitchers eating up innings, which I admire to a degree. It also could really, really backfire. Now, Sonny Gray is a more reliable pitcher than any of one that I just mentioned. In fact, since his uh, leaving the Yankees after the 2019, uh, 2018 season, he was uh, he's been a top five or top ten Cy Young candidate in 2019 and was the runner-up last year um, and has been, you know, pitched solid innings. They're going to get a lot of, if if these pitchers can 
replicate what they did last year, the Cardinals are going to have a lot of innings thrown by major league pitchers. How good will those innings be is up for grabs. But then again, so could the National League Central. You know, the Cubs and the Brewers are the top teams there. The Cardinals had a horrible year. I think the Pirates are going to make certain uh, strides forward. I admire to a degree what the Cardinals are doing. They're not giving up. They're putting major league pitchers on there. And they say, hey, look at We still have Goldschmidt. We still have Arenado. Maybe last year was a, was a toe stubbing. Maybe that was a fluke. Maybe they are a 90-some-odd win team that just happened to have a bad year. And Cardinal fans better hope that's the case. And maybe their new revamped pitching staff will give them a bunch of innings. But it could all backfire in their face, and all those pitchers who threw a lot of innings to high ERAs could throw very few innings to high ERAs. None of those pitchers I just listed off are exactly spring chickens right now. But at least the Cardinals are, while I'm not the biggest fan of what they're doing, um, it would not stun me if they went on a rebuilding process if this doesn't work this year. Now, they could use players like Randy Orozarena, uh, Garcia from the Rangers, uh, Sandy Alcantara from the Marlins, Zach Gallon from the Diamondbacks. They would all be great fits for the Cardinals, but they are too busy. Cardinals are too busy shipping them off over the last few years. That would be a nice foundation for a winning team right now. I don't know. I think they should have – if I were the Cardinals, I would call up Kim Ang right now. If she turned the Marlins around and made them a winner, give Kim Ang the car keys and say, here, run our team. And while you're at it, hire one of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants to be the manager. Take a drink. But I do think this strategy that the Cardinals are doing is at least interesting. But I think there's another major league team that should be doing that right now. In fact, there are two. And there's another team that should really be in on a major player who's being floated around as a trade ship to one of the top teams in baseball when there are two other franchises that really should be in on this. I look at what the Cardinals are doing about putting major league players in their roster and in their, in their rotation. Shouldn't the Angels be doing that? Seriously, I mean, they're about to lose Otani. They still have Trout. They brought in Ron Washington. If their idea is to try to put a winner out there, should you at least be putting major league team players on their roster? And it's their starting rotation that seems to be the big problem that they've had over the last, what, in Mike Trout's entire career? And if you have Washington there, who's going to be focusing a ton on team defense and infield defense, wouldn't that behoove pitchers like Gray and Lynn and Gibson, who have all come over to St. Lou? That should be what the Angels are doing, right? Also, Dylan Cease is about to be traded probably to Atlanta. That should be a player that the Angels should be focusing on right now. Load the starting pitching staff with major leaguers and, and roll the dice and see what happens. Another team that should be doing that is Baltimore. Baltimore has a team that after their 100-win season this year, that should be what you're looking at. they got a lot of good, solid young players, absolute bottom of the barrel in terms of payroll, and a razor-thin starting rotation. 
I know everyone got mad at me for saying that during the trade deadline last year, but I turned out to be right. The rotation stunk and they got swept. And no one's going to remember this 100-win team. This was a year where there was a clear lane to win the pennant. And this could have been the Orioles' year. And they didn't take advantage of it. They held true to all their prospects. They're still holding on to them. Dylan Cease didn't have a great year last year. Had a great year the year before that. And has some control. And it's not super expensive. And the Orioles are still hoarding all their prospects. Like a dragon sitting on top of a giant pile of rubies and gold. Give up some of that rubies and gold and get some decent pitching in there. Use the model of the 2014 and 2015 Kansas City Royals who let go of some of their prospects, including Will Myers, to increase their pitching depth. They have prospects there. They have enough prospects that they can absorb. I'm not saying trade Jackson Holiday for Dylan Cease, but I am saying let go of some of the players so you can take advantage of a present I think the Angels should do that to sort of appease their fan base and try to create something, rolling the dice in some way in 2024. But I think the Orioles are already there, and they have to seriously think about that. Now, look, at I'm banging the drum there, and I'm probably not going to be on this podcast much longer because I want to make sure I get today's show out. But when you have a chance to repeat as division champs, as Baltimore Orioles do, you know, that's worth a prospect here or there. You know, the White Sox just signed Paul DeJong, who's a shortstop. And so they're probably not going to be looking for an infielder. But the Orioles have plenty of position players that could be sent off to the, you know, to the White Sox to bring them in. You know, if you're talking about players like, you know, Yamamoto, who is supposedly the great ace who's available you know, he's young, he's an he's a workhorse, you know, he's a superstar in um in Japan, and he's looking to come over and be the next great, you know, or at least solid starter in the major leagues. Is Baltimore gonna get on him? No, because probably the Dodgers are, probably one of the deep pocketed teams are. So you take advantage of what you have. All it will cost to get Dylan Cease on your team is prospects, of which you've got a lot of them. I don't know. I don't understand when you have a chance to win, why you don't take advantage of that. But that seems to be what Baltimore is doing. So anyway, this is uh, I'm going to go through today's uh, trivia question. And today's trivia question is uh, is an interesting one. Teams that have the MVP and Cy Young Award winner, both at the same time, you would think would be a super successful team. It's been a while since we've seen a World Series champion who has had both the MVP and the Cy Young Award winner on the team at the same time. The last team to win the World Series with both the MVP and the Cy Young Award winner on the team at the same time, last team to win the World Series to have that combination was the 1988 Los Angeles Dodgers who had Oral Hershiser have his unbelievable season. You could argue Hershiser should have won the MVP as well. But you also had Kirk Gibson, who did indeed win the MVP. So that's the last time that happened. Now, when was the last time the American League had the MVP and the Cy Young Award winner 
And that team went on to win the World Series. That's the trivia question for you. Who was the last or what was the last American League team to have one player win the AL MVP, another player win the AL Cy Young Award, and that team was crowned World Series champion? That's your trivia question. The answer surprised me. It surprised me big time. I'm guessing it's going to surprise you too. So uh, this is hopefully going to be my only podcast I do from the classroom. We'll have the better microphone and everything like that. But I'm not going to skip a day. I'm not going to skip a day. Otherwise, I have to keep you after class. So uh, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me. I'm your pal Sully, but Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Keeping you in the classroom so I can get this day in. This has been Locked On MLB for the 28th day of November 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. I'm your teacher, and you can call me Sully.